And I want to look today at a, a glimpse of what happens when we don't respond to what we remember. When we don't respond rightly to God's Word, when we treat God's Word lightly, when we clearly see what God commands, we clearly hear from God with regards to what He commands of us, and when we don't respond rightly. And you'll see on your, on your handout there, when we treat the Word of God rightly, the main, lightly, the main point, there will be consequences not only in our lives, but in the lives of those who are around us. And, and we're in Jonah, and Jonah, obviously, you know the story. Many of you know the story well. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, it says in verse 1, the son of, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come, upon, come up before me. So there's clearly a command. There, there's really no disputing what Jonah's task was, what God desired of Jonah. Very clear, very simple command. Go to Nineveh and preach that it might repent. But Jonah, verse 3, rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down at that went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The rest of chapter 1 is the story of how the Lord hurled a great wind upon that ship. Jonah confesses to the sailors that the calamity, the, the trial that, that they have been ushered into is because of his disobedience. He commands them to throw him off of the ship that that that'll end it, and, and we know that they do that. The winds die down, a, a whale consumes Jonah. Jonah spends a few days and nights in the belly of the whale praying. That whale spits him up onto the shore. Jonah eventually goes to Nineveh, still doesn't have a heart issue, still doesn't have his right heart. But, but Jonah is a picture Really, in its strictest sense, it's a picture of, of Israel. It's a picture of that God has a, a heart for the world and, and, and Israel's role with that. But, but greater than that, it's a picture of you and I. I think Jonah is a picture of what, what happens and the consequences when we have a clear command of God. And instead of embracing that, Instead of pursuing that, instead of obeying that, when we choose to do our own thing. When, when we think we know better than God. I mean, I think we would all admit in here that, that we, expect, we expect our spouses to regard their marriage vows highly. And, and when we don't, there, there are huge consequences, and unfortunately, many of us in here are, are dealing with those consequences. When vows, when commands are treated lightly, when they're ignored, when they're altered, when they're adulterated, when, when we choose to do our own thing other than what we've been called to do, when we think that you know, many of our lives bear the marks and the scars of us choosing to, to do what is right in our own eyes versus obeying what God has declared to be right through His Word. I mean, how would you feel if you poured out your heart to your spouse and you, 
you shared your heart with your spouse and a desire, whatever, and they went and did totally opposite. I've seen that in marriages. It, it wouldn't be beyond me and my own forgetfulness. It's very possible that I've, that I've done that to Karen. It's very possible that you've done that to the spouse you're sitting next to. Maybe a friend has done that where you've poured your heart out to that friend and they've used that to their own advantage or they've, they've trampled on that or they've disregarded that. When, when that happens, there are, there are devastating consequences. And the consequences are never isolated simply to the one that is hurt and the one who, who walked in the other direction. The consequences go far beyond that. And when we treat God's Word casually... When, when we treat it lightly, there are consequences not only for our own lives, but there are consequences for others' lives, specifically as we're looking right now with regards to orphan care. When we're, when we're, when we're, when we're speaking to orphan ministry and how we respond to the God's Word will have dramatic consequences not only for us, but for those whom God has called for us to serve, depending on how we respond. And last week we looked at remembering, and, and here's the reason we're looking at this today, because responding and remembering go hand in hand. When we remember rightly, we respond rightly. Remembering and rightly, they go hand in hand. Again, we saw last week that, that our love for others flows directly from our first seeing that God loved us. We saw that in Luke 7. We saw that with the, with the, the sinner who could not quit lavishing her love and, and pouring perfume and wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and with her tears, all in response to having been forgiven. And then in the same room, there's a Pharisee who sat there and offered nothing to Jesus. Why? Because he felt like he hadn't been forgiven of much. And Jesus says very clearly, He who has been forgiven much loves much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. There, there is a direct link between remembering and responding. There's a direct link in, in remembering our own redemption, remembering our own forgiveness, remembering our own exodus from sin, remembering our own forgiveness and responding. And, and we see that here in Jonah. Israel did not deserve to be chosen. Deuteronomy 7 makes it very clear that God chose Israel for, for His glory and that He would be glorified. There was nothing in Israel. They were the least of the least. There was nothing in Israel that warranted Him being him choosing them. The reality is their whole history was one of, was one of trampling on the grace of God. And the reality is, is the cycle you see in the book of Judges, is that's our life as well. Forgiveness, restoration, obedience, forgetfulness, sinfulness, consequences, and then God would forgive if they would repent. It's a cycle. Time and time and time again. That's the Old Testament. That's Jonah. And Jonah has a clear command from the, word, from the Lord, and he chooses to do what is right in his own eyes over what is right in God's eyes. He chooses to do what he wants to do and what he thinks is right over what God has said to be right. And, and we see the symptoms of this throughout the Bible. 
As I said, Israel's history, it's, one, it's, it's that played out time and time and time again. You, you see it with, with David and Goliath. God told Israel, I will deal with the Philistines, just trust me. And they didn't take him at his word. But David did. And see, that's really the story of David and Goliath. In spite of all the ways that that, that story has been really adulterated in many ways, it, it makes for good preaching, but not really good exposition, that story really is a picture of David taking God at his word. That story is a picture of, of David saying, you know what, you're not going to stand there and blaspheme the name of my God. I'm going to come at you and I'm going to defend the name of my God. No matter what happens to me, I'm going to defend the name of my God. He had already told them in 1 Samuel 7, I've got the Philistines. Goliath was a Philistine. Instead of trembling, they should have been taking God at their word and fighting in the strength that God provided. And yet they chose to do things that was right in their own eyes. We see it with the 12 spies. Hey, this is the land I'm giving you. They send 12 spies. Ten come back with a bad report. Two come back with a good report. Guess who they believe? They believe the bad report. They didn't trust God. For 40 years, they wander in the desert. An entire generation is killed, dies in the desert. Didn't take God at His word. We see this in Jonah, clearly. I, I would bet, if we're honest, we see it in our own lives as well. Jonah has been given the joy of preaching to a people whom God created, whom God wants to offer repentance just as he had offered to Jonah, and Jonah says no. We, we have the privilege, through ministering to orphans, to offer to, to orphans what we have received ourselves first. How will we respond? That's the question. Will we run? Or will we embrace? And the issue that we see in our own lives is the same issue that we see in Jonah's life. It's a heart problem. God is exposing here. He's using Jonah to expose a heart problem of a nation. And I believe even today he uses Jonah to expose a possible heart problem in us as well. It's easy because it's real easy to see this in other people's lives, isn't it? It's easy to see flaws in other people. It's easy. Trust me, we, we can act humble like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Chris. Trust me, we do. It's easy to point these things out. It's easy for us to sit there and say, how could Jonah do that? How in the world could Jonah do that? My question is, how can Chris Basham do that? Because I've done that. That's my story. When avoiding God's word at times, maybe ignoring God's word, pretending like we didn't hear God when we clearly heard God. And the consequences for us and the consequences for others, specifically in this series on uh, the orphan, are high. And that's all I want us to see today. Again, trying to keep it as simple as possible. You'll see it on your handout again. The consequences for our disobedience 
are rarely isolated to ourselves. The, the consequences are, of our disobedience are not isolated to ourselves. You, you see that in, in Exodus ver, ver, chapter 20, verses 4 and 6. You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 9 and 10. The giving of the Ten Commandments are repeated. It says, You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. We, we suffer, we suffer, the consequence of our own sin is death. John 6, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We die because of our own sin. But listen, we suffer because of other people's sin. Our own sin, but also other people's sin. When, when other people ignore much of the suffering that we, in, that we are involved in, that we experience, not only our own sin, but the sins of those around us. The, the greatest gift, listen, the greatest gift that you and I can give to one another is a close walk with God. It's obedience to God's word. The greatest blessing, mom, dad, that you can give your family is a close walk with the Lord. The greatest gift you can give your children is to model them Model for them a close walk with the Lord. The greatest gift that you can offer this church is a close walk with the Lord. The greatest gift that you can give this world and your neighborhood and your schools and your, and your places of employment and your communities is a close walk with God. It will impact not only you, but it will impact everyone around you. Your pursuit of personal holiness. The consequences when we don't are, are very hazardous, are tremendous. And our refusal or, or a casual attitude towards submission, towards the Word of God, affects not only you and I, but it affects everyone around us. You see it on your handout. Your walk with God, good or bad, has dramatic effects on everyone around you. Whether it's your elementary campus whether it's your middle school campus, whether it's your high school campus, your college campus, whether it's your place of employment, whether it's your community that you live in, whether it's your own home. Your personal, your walk with God has tremendous consequences on those around you. You see it in, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, for example. There's, there's many many illustrations but first corinthians 7 is a good one talking about the the uh, a non-believer and a believer being married together and he says he says a woman who is an unbelieving has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her she must not send her husband away for the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband for otherwise your children are unclean but now they're holy Again, he goes on to verse 16. For how do you know, O wife, whether you'll save your husband? You don't, but, the, but having them in your presence, keeping them near, God's blessings flowing to you for your obedience, and then they're recipients of that. Your walk has tremendous consequences and effects, good or bad, on those around you. And the question that I would pose is this, right now, what are those around you experiencing based on your walk with the Lord? 
they experiencing blessings? Are blessings flowing to you? And, and in turn, are they reaping those or, or consequences? Are they being caught up in your wave of disobedience? Or are they being caught up in your wave of obedience? What, what blessings are the people around you experiencing? Are you a conduit of blessing? Or, or maybe you're a cul-de-sac, meaning it ends with you. Or maybe, maybe God's judgment is on you and they're receiving that. We, we see that throughout. Your, your walk with the Lord has consequences on those around you. Galatians 5, 7 through 9, you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And we see that we see that here in Jonah. One man having consequences on on many, many. And even the challenge is this, even though Jonah later obeyed, he still had a heart problem. And I think that's what God was after here, obedience that flows from a heart that's right. Obedience that seeks to praise him, not obedience that does it just to do it and does it begrudgingly, but a joyful obedience. See, because the reality is, is my walk with the Lord is not results-oriented. And that's what Jonah, Jonah teaches us, that success in our walk with Christ is not results-oriented. It's obedience-oriented. We have no guarantees. I, I, I was asked yesterday uh, to go to an, an FCA event and, and the event is held in honor of, of George and Dan Witt. And, and many of you know the Wits, maybe some of you don't, but Nancy Witt is George's widow. And, and here's a lady who has faithfully followed the Lord for many, many, many years. Her son died when he was 16 in a car accident. I think his name was Matthew. Her husband and, and, her, then, and then later on, many years later, her husband and son died within maybe a year or two of each other from cancer. It's not results-oriented. We don't come to Christ because everything is going to go great. We come to Christ to have our sins forgiven. We come to Christ to, to live for His glory and to glorify Him and knowing that He's for us and not against us and knowing that, that we've found a treasure in a field worth losing everything for, even our health. Why? Because glorifying that treasure is the greatest thing we've found. And all of our life is meant to glorify Him. And even, even in our... Dan Witt, in the video they showed, he said, during, these are his words, during this walk with cancer, I have come to embrace cancer and I'm grateful that God gave me cancer because of how He's using the cancer to lead others to the Lord. Strong statement for somebody who knows when he gave that testimony, he knew he was about to die. 
It's the same thing Paul said in Philippians 1.12. I don't want you to be unaware of my circumstances, brethren, that they've turned out for the greater progress in the gospel, that in my imprisonment, the gospel has gone places it would have never gone before, that the whole praetorian guard has come to know me, and, and even the believers are more bold to speak. It, we're not results-oriented. Orphan care, there's no guaranteed results. We're obedience-oriented. We're called to obey and let God deal the results for God to get the glory, not you and I. We can do everything right and not get the results we wanted. We can do everything wrong at times and get good results. And the Bible is full of people who did nothing wrong in a sense. I'm not saying they were perfect, but they didn't get the results that they wanted. And biblical success, you see it there, biblical success is measured by our faithfulness to the Word of God, not results. It's faithfulness. Just like he says in 1 Corinthians 7, how do you know, wife, whether you'll save your husband? We don't. How, how do you know the way this is going to go with orphan care? We don't. But I do know that God is honored through it. I do know that God is glorified in His children obeying it. And success for you and I is faithfulness. Jonah didn't have a, a guarantee. The point was this, Jonah, go preach. You let me do my job, God is saying. You do your job, you let me do my job. Go preach. And, and we've got to think, just like Jonah, this is bigger than just you and I. Think about this. What will, with regards to you and I, what will the next generation of believers' attitudes towards orphans be because of your attitude towards orphans? Think, think even in your own home. What might your kids' attitudes towards orphans be because of what your attitude towards the orphan is in your own home think generationally think about at their school what, what are they seeing modeled in us the, the consequences for this are huge generationally passing things on passing hearts on passing passing even sins on it's a heart issue it flows from the heart and the reality is that, that the Word of God in Christ in us is what changes our heart. So, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and I will give you the desires of your heart. What he says there is when you, when you delight in the Lord, he begins to mold your heart to model, to mirror his heart. It doesn't mean you get everything you ask for. It means your heart begins to align itself with his heart. And the, 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 the challenge for you and I, is again, is not results, it's faithfulness. God has offered an amazing opportunity for you and I, just like He offered an amazing opportunity to Jonah. I mean, who wouldn't want to see a nation turn to Christ, to be used this way? Who wouldn't want to see the course of somebody's life altered through your obedience? And that was, that was God's invitation to Jonah, and that's God's invitation to us with regards to the orphan, to see the, the potential for God to use our obedience to change the entire course of somebody's life. To see somebody repent of their sinfulness as we've seen through orphan care even in our church. To, to turn the tide, to change something generationally. And the goal, ultimately, the goal is the gospel. It's reconciliation. 
It's reconciliation either of a child to their parents. It's reconciliation of a child to a family. And it's ultimately, number one, it's reconciliation of a child to their creator through the repentance of their sin. It's the gospel. And, and all of these are necessary and essential, but it's all about reconciliation. And where does that reconciliation flow? It flows from me and having a heart that recognizes that I have been reconciled alone through the blood of Christ to my creator because of, what's, because of God using somebody else's faithfulness. R.V. Brown at a, at a FCA camp in Mariana, Florida. I've been reconciled to my Creator, to a holy God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Go and do likewise, he says. You, believer, have been reconciled, if you're a believer, to a holy God, all through grace, all by grace through faith. Go and do likewise. And, and again, that's the goal. And, and if we're not careful, you see it there on your handout, if we're not careful we too will turn our backs on God and His Word and miss out on the greatest blessing that we could ever be a part of. Because in our own eyes, we will choose to do something else instead of what God has chosen for us to do. We'll do what is right in our own eyes. Seeing somebody being reconciled either to their family, to a family, but more importantly to the God who created them, who crucified His Son for them, and the challenge, for, the challenge for me is the same challenge for you. It's not to exchange that opportunity to waste a life on myself. The challenge is not to exchange God's mission for my own mission. God's blessings for my own blessings. For, for how, will I, how will I pursue that? Will I pursue it God's way or will I pursue it my way? And God has been very specific, just like in Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. He's been very specific to you and I. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their distress. And we talked about what that word visit means. It means to take on the responsibility of meeting their needs. It's not just stopping by when it's convenient. It's taking responsibility. Because that's exactly what God has done for you and I. He's adopted us in, and He's taken responsibility for us. It's the gospel. Even those, again, as you read this week, hopefully you're reading, even those that are costly and messy. Because as we saw last week, my adoption into God's family was costly and messy. And by the way, it's still costly and messy. Raising Chris Basham is no joy at times. One step forward, three steps back. You know, I read in the Gospels where Jesus says, you know, I've been walking, to, walking with you guys all this long. You don't get it? I, that's probably my life verse. God says, you've been studying, you have a seminary degree and you don't get it? Blame it on Adam and Eve, I don't know. But the, the challenge for every single one of us is, is are we going to embrace the mission? Or are we going to run from the mission? Are we going to embrace God's heart? Or are we going to try to, as we saw a few weeks ago, substitute it with something else? Like our kids, like you and I like to do. I can tell them, hey, do this, and they'll do four other things, and they'll try to replace the one thing I told them to do with the three other things. Not bad things. It's just not the thing I told them to do. And Israel was commanded in Jonah, 
Israel was commanded to be a light to impact the nations for the Lord. You and I, Matthew 5, 14, are commanded as well to be a light to the nations. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. A city on a hill, he says, cannot be hidden. You don't take a lamp and put it under the table. You put it on the table. And obedience, just like in Jonah's case, obedience for you and I cannot be seen as optional. Why? Because people around us will suffer when we choose to do our own thing. When we choose to ignore God's word for our own mission. And listen, verse 2, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah would have had every reason, if you don't know the backstory, Jonah would have had every reason to flee Nineveh. He could have given every justifiable reason not to go to Nineveh. They were the nasty of the nasty. They, they were Assyrians. They had, they had punished Jonah and his people time and time again. He would have had every fleshly reason not to go there. And God tells him, go to Nineveh. And instead, Jonah goes 1,500 miles in the opposite direction. And I think the challenge is this. A lot of lessons here that we can learn about ourselves, but that really is a startling reaction for Jonah because for everything else in Jonah's life would have indicated that he would have not responded that way. He's a prophet. This is God's man. He would have, he would have had everything look, on the outside. Everything looked, would have looked tight, would have looked put together. And that is the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is this, where we can get okay with one or two areas in our lives not lining up to God's word. Why? Because all these other areas do. And we'll justify it. We will be okay with... with a pet sin or a specific area where we know we're disobedient. We know we're being disobedient and we'll be okay with it. And the challenge for us is 1 Peter 1.15, be holy for I am holy. That, that means pure. The challenge for us is that sanctification is for every area of our life to be moving in the direction of submission and accordance to what God has called that area of our life to look like. And the question for us is, what areas might we be running from? What areas of our life, specifically orphan care, what, what, what might be our justification? Listen to me, I can write a bunch. I can give you a bunch, even as your pastor right now, why not to? But I can also give you a bunch from the Word of God that why, tells us why we must and why we have to. And, and we can look the part outwardly. We can look real put together outwardly. We can look real obedient outwardly. And yet inwardly, we're refusing to obey God's word in specific ways. And, and that's where it says on your handout, sin is choosing to say no to God in any way, shape, or form. To say no to God in any way, shape, or form. Biblical obedience. I mean, you've probably said this to your kids like I've said it to my kids. Obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, with the right attitude. Oftentimes, I don't know about your house, but somewhere along the line, that train leaves the tracks. And it could be, oftentimes, on the attitude part. 
could just be with a bad attitude. And again, Jonah, when you compare Jonah to others, he would have looked great. He, was, he would have been well-respected in his town as a prophet. He would have been looked upon and followed. He would have probably had great spiritual influence. He would have been a great source of wisdom. He would have been a religious man. He was, grow, he was raised in a, in a religious culture. Everywhere he turned, religion, religion, religion. He would have known the stories. He would have known the lingo. He would have, he would have aced the Bible trivia contest probably. He could have used all the verbiage to sound real religious. He would, have, he, would have, he would have had all the answers. He would have looked awesome outwardly. And yet inwardly, there's a heart issue. And, and for you and I, in what ways might we look like Jonah? Come to church every Sunday or most Sundays? You pray? Everywhere we look, people are doing religious things, ministry. I mean, we live in a world where 80% of the people say they're Christians. 80%. But here's a lesson that we learned from Jonah. And you'll see it there on your handout. You can be religious. You can even grow up in a religious culture. You can even do religious things and never have a heart that's been transformed by the gospel. Never have a heart that's transformed by the gospel. And that's the dangerous reality for all of us, that we can look real put together on the outside and yet all the while be wasting away inside. And when we settle for just superficial appearances, when we settle for our own agenda over God's agenda, when we settle for externals over, over internal change, devastating consequences to those who are around us. God has put us in Odessa for a reason. And it's the gospel. He loves this city just like he loved Nineveh. He's pursuing sinners here just like he pursued sinners there. The cross of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection is just as sufficient to pay for your neighbor's sins as it was for your sins. For the orphan's sins, just as it was for your sins. And God has given the joy, He has offered the joy to you and I to take this gospel just like He offered it to Jonah and see people come to know the Lord. The joy of that. Well, how will we respond? And God is in the business. Where, the reason why you and I are saved and left here is because God is in the business, you'll see it in your handout, of sending His people into the midst of the ungodly to show them the love of God through the gospel. To show them. And the question is, will we, will we be like Jonah and only do it when it feels right, when it's convenient, when it's easy, or will we do it no matter what? Will we have sacrificial mercy, or will we have selfish mercy? Because all throughout the Word of God, hear me, and I, I want to say this carefully, whether it's Isaiah 1, 11-15, whether it's Amos 5, God takes no pleasure in a people who just go through the motions outwardly. He's not honored by that. He had some very, very strong words through Isaiah about that. He had very, very strong words through Amos about that. Let me look here. Isaiah, take a chance here if I can find it. I need to be like a, I need to do some sword drills here, figure out where Isaiah is. Isaiah, listen to what he says in Isaiah 1. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? 
I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, goats, or lambs. When you come to appear me, who requires of this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Strong words. First Peter 3, 7, he says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, so that your prayers will not be hindered. How we live, how we walk as believers has tremendous impact on those around us. And, and what God is doing through this word of God is he is displaying his heart for you and I. And his heart is to be our heart. And every command, you see it on your handout, every command of God reveals his heart. And how I respond to that command reveals my heart. And we see Jonah's heart. It's not, it's not, Christianity is not what do I know about God's commands. It's how do I respond to those commands. How do I respond? And we can look all put together. We can look all religious on the outside when nothing conflicts with our nature. It's, it's, it's almost like when I, 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 I meet with couples and the, the wife has no, pro, or the, in this case, I'll just pick on the wives for a second. The husbands, are, you know, their leadership is a whole other issue. But I don't have any problem submitting when you agree. Well, guess what? You know what? When you agree, that's called agreeance. When I say, hey, Karen, we ought to do this, and Karen agrees with that, that's not submission. When I say, Karen, hey, I think we ought to do this, and she doesn't believe that, and she doesn't agree with that, and yet she comes along anyway, that's called submission. It's easy to follow somebody you agree with. It's easy to follow commands that make much of us and that we agree with, but what about the hard ones? It's easy for me to, to, to obey commands where I can see the end results and, and I can see what's going to happen and I can see how it's going to work out. You know where it's tough? The 99.9% rest of my life where I don't have guaranteed results for my obedience on this side of eternity. But God has promised me rewards on the other side of eternity. And He has told us in Romans 8 that the present sufferings, verse 18, do not, will not compare to the glory of that is to be revealed in us. How will we respond? J.D. Greer, Greer, I read this one time, he said this, You are never farther from God than when you're close to Him and choose to say no. You're never farther away from God than when you say you're close to Him and you choose to say no. And disobedience is, to God's Word is you saying no to God. And that has dramatic implications for those around us specifically the orphan in this case and and one real quickly one more thing we can learn from jonah i I hear a lot of talk you know you hear a lot of talk about god's will and circumstances and all these things it's amazing to me and i say that sarcastically jonah wanted to flee to Tarshish. Well, guess where he found a boat headed? Tarshish. 
It's amazing to me, Jonah, there was a fare to pay for that fee. And guess what was in Jonah's pocket? The fare. You know, there, there's, a, there's a boat going exactly where he wants to go. He has the money to do it. You know what? Some of us would say when the stars are lining up, that must be God's will. And in doing so, that's how deceptive we can be to ourselves. Here's my point. Look at your handout. Satan will make sure it's convenient, even easy, to say no to God and His Word and allow us to justify our actions. It will, you'll all, Satan will make sure you have a justifiable reason to say no to God. Believe me. He'll make sure. He'll make sure. Ship going right where he wants to go. Fair in his pocket. I mean, even I've heard people say, well, I had a piece about it. Listen, Jonah's sitting in the bottom. You read the rest of the story. Jonah's at the bottom of the boat, sound asleep, while the, wet, while the boat's falling apart. You want to talk about peace? Peace don't mean nothing. We've all been there where we've been perfectly at peace. We, we can sin and be at peace. That don't necessarily mean anything. Peace? circumstances that lining up, all that means is that circumstances lined up. Here's what you got to go back to, Jonah. What did God tell you to do? He said, go to Nineveh. Getting on a boat to Tarshish is not going to Nineveh. That's called sin. Whether there's a boat going there, whether there's a fee that's in your pocket or not, whether you can justify it or not, God said, go to Nineveh. You ain't going to Nineveh. That's sin. The question is, how will we respond? It's not about circumstances. It's not about, it's not about open doors. It's about obedience. And you see it on your handout. If you want to run from God, listen to me, there will always be an opportunity waiting for you. Always. You want to be disobedient? I, trust me, Satan will make it very easy to be disobedient. Satan is very deceptive. He's distracting. It, it may be simply like we saw last week, forgetfulness. It could be busying yourself. Oh, I'm too busy. I've got all this other ministry. No, no, no. What did God say? To visit widows and orphans in their distress. That's pure and undefiled religion. Don't, don't be busy with other stuff and think God's going to be okay with that. If, if our ministry was a portfolio, a large portion of it had better be widows and orphans. Because he's commanded it. And, and if we forget who we are, if we forget, try to forget what God said, if we ignore what God said, listen, the consequences are enormous. And again, it's all, it's all about reconciliation. It's either reconciling a child to his, his or her parents, reconciling a child to a new Set of parents? More than anything, reconciling a child to his creator through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, guess what? That child gets an eternal family. That child gets an eternal inheritance that will never perish or pass away, more than I could ever offer. And I pray that we will be a church who takes God's word seriously in every aspect but specifically here. That, that we would be, as you see on your handout, a conduit of blessing to others rather than 
a conduit of consequences, that we would remember who we were, that we would remember the gospel by which we have been saved, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you, if you don't know about that, if you're confused about that, please come see me after the service. I'll be happy to help you. I'll be happy to explain that. I had the opportunity of sharing with a crowd yesterday the glorious news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that applying that to your life by faith, you can be forgiven, be adopted. But those of us who have already experienced that, I pray that we would seek to align our hearts and God's heart with God's heart on every point. For God's glory, for the glory of those around us, for their sakes rather. Don't, don't, don't treat God's word lightly. Huge consequences for not only you, but those around us when we, when we treat God's word lightly. I pray that we would be a church who takes this word seriously, no matter what the cost, knowing, knowing that we have a promise from our Savior who has said, whatever it costs you, I will repay bountifully in the future.